Howdy, everybody. Welcome to Track 27 Part 2. This is a Rook and the Kid Christmas, the second edition with the analyst. I'm your host, the Rook, and we're here to shatter the script and give you all some predictions on the upcoming Week 16 game. Before we get started, if you are a first-time listener if, or if you are a current listener, we want to, one, thank you for your support and thanks for listening. But also, hey, if you haven't downloaded this episode or the previous episode already, make sure to download, follow, subscribe, um, and share the episode if you want with the rest of the crew. And, you know, we're, we're excited to share what we have today and do this two-part series. Then we'll have that week off next week. Um, and then we'll get back to it in 2024. So a brand new year, a brand new strategy, and we're ready to go. We're going to have a lot of fun things in store for you guys, a lot of new additions, new features, possibly some new guests, which is what we've been working on since the, the football season started. But uh, without further ado, you know, the analyst is here as well. The medical guy was on the previous one, so we appreciate the analyst joining on this one as well. And let's get into our Shatter the Script segment. Um, which we're covering the uh, <laughs> RG3 talking about the Sean Payton and Russell Wilson scenario. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll throw that up there and we'll play this video for you guys. And let's get it. For yeah. me with Russell and Sean Payton, uh, they asked Sean after the game, what, why did he yell at Russell like that? And, he, and Sean said, well, whatever I talk with Russell about, ain't none of your business. And I don't disagree with that. I I, I yeah. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But That's coach. Sean Payton, as a coach, if you don't want people to ask that question, then you can't do that to your quarterback on the sideline. And and the only, the only reason I feel that That's way is because this is like the second or third iteration of Sean Payton doing something to Russell, to me, that makes it seem like that's not his guy. So – yeah. To your point, sometimes a coach will get on somebody, because uh, the quarterback in particular, because yeah. he wants to show the rest of the team, like, hey, I'm not playing favorites. I'm going to get on everybody. Right. In that moment, it didn't feel like that. To me, that moment said, uh, you're not my guy. I don't respect you. Uh, I don't like you. Whatever it may be, he embarrassed his quarterback on the sideline. And now the rest of the team, in my opinion, is more so looking at that moment like, damn. Sean Payton really don't rock with Russell Wilson. And I thought Russell handled it perfectly. It's in it's within his personality to not react in those moments. Yeah, yeah. But I thought he handled it perfectly because now it's a not it's essentially after this conversation between me and you, it's a non-story. But I yeah. do feel like Sean Payton should come out in the media publicly and apologize to Russell Wilson. Not because yeah. he's, you know, he's a head coach. When you're head coach, you can do whatever you want. But he's got to show solidarity in this playoff push that he's got his quarterbacks back. And I don't think he did that yeah. in that moment. Yeah, and so there's a there's a couple things to add here. I mean, for one, it just seems like I'm hearing a lot of trends in the current NFL where we're we're seeing a lot of victimization between players whether it be playing on a different day than sunday whether it mm -hmm. be getting chewed out on the sideline you know whether it be penalty flags being thrown whether it be oh my god like why do we, why does everybody want to watch the cowboys lose because it's good for business whatever it may be um it's just it seems like in the current nfl today it's a common theme 
to where hard coaching and that hard nosed mentality of that old school way is just scrutinized against. And in my current take with this scenario, with you know, if you haven't seen the clip with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton um, kind of going after one another on the sideline after they got blown out by the Denver Broncos in week 15, um, it, it's just. I didn't have a problem with it personally. I, I really think that there are certain things, and you know, the analyst has been, you know, obviously we kind of mocked the passing charts with the Russ, with Russell Wilson. We've done it for about you know eight eight or nine weeks, and it's just the overrated performance. The before the year, you had to contact an agent to get a hold of Russell Wilson, and then you get into a a, a, a team like the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton, who his previous quarterback was Drew Brees, who was the stand-up citizen, who was the guy that stood up for the city, who had the, you know, he was the guy that never really made any mistakes. And you go to a Russell Wilson, who's kind of a prima donna. Um, and it's nothing to say about Russell Wilson himself as a person. But for me personally, if if I was getting chewed into on the sideline like I've had before, and it doesn't matter if it's high school sports, college sports, NFL, it's the same. And it's kind of to get your head in gear, get the gears turning, um, and to when you get back in the field, let loose. And it reminds me of that scene from uh, it was Kurt Russell and the uh, the actor from the uh, the Miracle on Ice with the Mighty B and stuff. And he goes in the locker room and he's like, they got that one hockey player down. He goes, "We're playing Sweden. We're playing Sweden we're in the in the mother of the Olympics or whatever. Y'all playing like it's like we're we're up here in you know New York City or something like that. This is this is serious. This is the Olympics. This is professional." This is we're up here to present a brand and he riles him up saying, you know, are you going to be a hockey player? Are you going to be a hockey player tonight? Are you going to show up for your team? And he's like, I want to be a hockey player. I want to be a hockey player. He's like, walks out of the, the locker room. He's like, you think that'll rile him up, you know, get some fire up beneath their ass. And so that's yeah. kind of my take on it is just the, you know, I, I have always been a fan of the hard coaching. Um, and I think that regardless of who it is, I don't care if it's Justin Herbert. I don't care if it's Mahomes. I don't care if it's Dak freaking Prescott. If I have a coach getting on somebody's ass, it's it's on. It's I'm going back on that field the next drive, and I, I want to play harder. Yeah, I think the backstory is important here too. It's like this this happened after the drive. You know, I was telling you about it when you came over to the house the one time. The Broncos got down to basically the one yard line on one play, and it looked like a touchdown. And Russell Wilson called tempo, got up to the line. This was against the Lions. And then he tried to get the ball in again with Jamal Williams. And they it could have been a second reviewable play. Yeah. And then he got to the line again, and they had the false start and had to kick the field goal. So when he comes back to the sideline, Sean, Payton, Sean Payton's ripping into him. And, like, Russell Wilson, to me, looks like he kind of, like, lays down like a, like a dog and, like, so I guess to RG3's defense, like what he was saying is that's just Russell Wilson's like mentality is like he's going to perceive it and understand and just say, yes, sir, and let it go. But like this is this to me is the buildup of what Sean Payton said at the beginning of the year, which is he's tired of Russell Wilson's antics. And it's exactly what you were talking about with Drew Brees is like Drew Brees with the guy that did everything the way you wanted a quarterback to act. Like nobody ever had a bad thing to say about Drew Brees and he was a leader. I mean, everybody respected Drew Brees and that's why he threw for so many yards for so many years is because he, he was a true like 
leader and was great at his craft. And so I think that's what Sean Payton's frustration is with, with Russell Wilson. And that's why I'm so hard on Russell Wilson is because when you do the fake two minute drill crap, when you're sitting there doing it, running yeah. it by yourself, and then you're standing in the middle of the Seattle Seahawks 50 yard line with your hands out, like you're Jesus absorbing whatever you know, power he's trying to absorb and then your guys can't contact you through an agent. And then on top of that, you're you're always posting on Instagram like, you know, one day at a time, working, blah, 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 blah. And then, you you know, you're doing all this crap in the offseason. Sean Payton came in at the beginning of the year and was like, you know, I'm not putting up with that crap. You don't have your own office. Like, you're, you're my quarterback, but, you know, by God, you're as available as everybody else. You're not some – God that everybody's going to have to go through a priest to talk to. Like you're my quarterback. You need to be in the locker room and be with the guys. You need to be open. So I think this is like a buildup of what's been happening with Russell Wilson. So Sean Payton's basically whipping him in the ass and telling him like, Hey, let's get it together. Yeah. So I, I think that was more of what it was. And it falls right into line with hard coaching. Like if he's going to chew his ass out that he probably had a valid reason to get his, Ask you out. It's just like last year when that uh, Purcell chewed him out coming off the sidelines. It's because he was tired of Russell Wilson's antics. So it's like, you know, I respect Russell Wilson to a certain extent. You know, I've, I've had my things with him on this podcast, but man, I mean, have some, have some self-awareness, I think is what Sean Payton's trying to get at there. So I can see both sides, but at the end of the day, I, I think it shows Sean Payton's like, hey, we want to win this ball game. And I'm gonna get in, get in your butt about it, because I need you to play better. I mean, they were getting routed by the yeah. by the Lions. So yeah, it could be a change of culture and a change of standard, and this isn't the way that we do things here in Denver anymore, sort of thing. And and that's yeah. something that I respect because you know Sean Payton is somebody that you can respect, and Russell Wilson's past is somebody that you can look at and go, okay, yeah, he's had a valid career but it doesn't change the fact that you're above anybody else. Like you mentioned. Yeah. 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 100%. Okay. Let's move on into the two minute drill presented by the analysis. You know, your stat play video analysis, your statistical highlights from the previous week, um, all in under two minutes, um, 0% of the time. So we got uh, the two minute drill. Uh, I'll let you, I'll let you have at it. Yeah, so usually, you know, when we don't do two parts, usually I will give you the recap of the week. But that was, you know, it's kind of like the part one was the history. Now we're looking forward. So I'll give you the Thursday night recap of the Saints and Rams game. And I have actually a really cool play um, to uh, show you guys. And this just kind of points to how Sean McVay is just light years. I mean, young coaching in the NFL is taking over. But anyway – so Saints-Rams game, Rams won 30-22, uh, start this off. Score really doesn't show the game. The Saints made a comeback effort with like a late touchdown. Yeah. They blocked a punt. Then they got another touchdown. And then the Rams basically got the ball back and with an onside and, and closed it out. But anyway, Matthew Stafford had uh, 328 yards and two touchdowns. And I, I got to tell you, man, he looks – I think he broke a record – for this is his fifth straight game with two plus touchdowns and zero interceptions, and he's the first Rams player to ever do it. Yeah. So he's looking good right now. He's he's healthy, and that's always been the thing with uh, Matthew Stafford is he has some weird injury and tries to play through it. But right now he looks very healthy, and he is slinging 
the rock. Yeah, and that just absolutely. leads me right into the next guy, Puka Nakua. I mean, he – I said at the beginning of the year that when Cooper Cup would come back, I didn't think that he would stay with it. But, man, this this has been a huge year for him. Um, he is not far from breaking the record for rookie receiving yards. Yeah, he's 160, yeah. yeah, he's 164 yards away from breaking the rookie receiving record. And so I almost like the, the thing that I would say forever is Stafford is really good at just force feeding one receiver. So I don't know if that <laughs> speaks more to Puka being, you know, a formidable wide receiver, or does it speak more to Stafford can throw to anybody? You know, it, it's crazy. But to follow that up, Kyron Williams, 22 carries, 104 yards. This is actually his fifth straight game with 100 plus yards on the ground. So the Rams are are cooking. Yeah, yeah. they're back. They're back in into it so that's a team that if they make the playoffs you know you particularly don't want to see they look completely different than they did when when they played dallas so Absolutely. and then we talk about our favorite team on this podcast the uh, new orleans saints yeah. and how terrible they can be so um Derek carr had 319 yards three touchdowns and interception uh the stats this is a perfect example of box score box score doesn't tell the story so you know his yeah. stats they really don't show the full story, but he just doesn't look good. And the Saints are just such a mad team right now. I mean, they – I almost just want to say it's the coaching because, I mean, you look it at who they've got. you got a receiver. You've got Olave. You've got um, you've got Kamara at running back. Like, yeah, he's getting older, but he's still a pretty good back. And then you've got Rashid Shahid. I mean, they, they've got weapons. And Derek Carr used to not be too bad, and he just – he's not – doing it but you know right. Mara, nine carries 19 yards five receptions 16 yards worst fantasy performance to date in a time for a lot of fantasy owners me so tough scene there and then a lot of they had a pretty good game I already mentioned them nine receptions 123 yards so overall 32 22 ram or 30 to 22 rams but I mean it was like with eight minutes to go they were up 30 to seven so it's it wasn't much of a game but anyway so now we're going to move into the play. I think this is a pretty cool one this week. Okay. And this one is uh, – so it's a laser dagger concept. What that means is that it's there are an 11 personnel here, so that means one tight end, as you can see on the bottom here. And I don't know if you can see. Can, Jerry, can you see? Yeah, we can see it. I can't see your mouth. Oh, now I can. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so you got the tight end down here, and they start off in uh, trips – bunch left so you've got demarcus i remember his name here robinson DeMar yeah demarcus robinson cooper cup and this is pukin kua and you've got tyler Habe get lined down over here so you've got trips up top tied in down below but before i start this play this is a really cool stat the rams are one of the most motion before the snap teams in the league they use motion more than almost any other team in the league i think the miami dolphins are the only ones that lead over them so that's important to know since this, you know, like motions just open up so much for a quarterback when you have a guy like Matt Stafford who can read defenses pretty well. It's, it's very helpful. So like I said, they line up in a trips bunch. And what you'll do is you'll see them shift here into a deuce, a deuce right concept. So now that lets Stafford know he's got this one high safety up top and you got Tyron Matthew crawling down right here to, to Tyler Higby, and this cornerback's going to take over. So it looks like man to start. 
But this is what I was talking about with motions here. What they're about to do is they're going to motion Puka back behind Cooper Cup. So let's roll it. Here it comes back. So Stafford motions and pause it right there. What Stafford sees is now Tyron Matthews, since we got the motion back across, it puts the safeties back up high. So that lets Stafford know since nobody's following him, that's a zone. Yep. So the motion creates the shift that I was talking about, and the Rams want to run what is called a dagger concept. So you'll see the running back, Kyron Williams, is about to take off in flat. You're going to see Cup run a fly route, and he's about to clear out this entire middle of the field. And Demarcus Robinson is going to run with like a post corner route or just a simple corner route. He's going to run in and out and up or in, up, and out. And then you're going to watch Puka because he came in motion. He's already full speed. He's going to come right through the middle here. See, there, Cooper's going to take Cooper's going to take that linebacker out of the play, and that just brings Puka Nakua right over the middle for an That's easy 20-yard game. Gobbin wide open. <laughs> yeah. So that you know, shout out to Cooper Cup. He takes the top off the defense. This is something that I would like to see Dallas maybe use a couple times with Brandon Cooks. And they do it uh, probably pretty constantly with CeeDee Lamb instead of Cook and Nakua. But that is a classic shifting of, of defenses. And uh, it's pretty cool play design because, I mean, it's, it's, a, you know, it's an awesome modification to a simple and effective route concept, but it allows the receivers to find space with motion. So that is the play of the week for me. I thought that was a really cool concept, especially because it's under center. You know, at one point it looks simple. The next point, you know, it's just talk. It's going from complicated pre-snaps to easy, simplified routes for the receivers and an easy look for uh, for Matt Stafford. So yeah, yeah, that that's is the an play el- of the week. That's an elite play design, and you know, I want the record be shown that the Puka Nakua belongs on the all-white team for sure. And I don't care if he's on a if he's an Islander. <laughs> uh, but he he is on the all-white team, and the Rams have the weapons. You know, I figured out last night that Kyron Williams actually has a – I think he has a white mom. So, I think Kyron Williams might be on the white all-white team as well. But, you know, Stafford has always been the kind of guy that throws to those kinds of players. And, you know, it, the Rams, man, they're cooking. Uh, they're not Like you said, they're not the same team that you saw when Dallas played them at home. Um, now, would that same scenario happen again but they met in the playoffs? Um, I think the Dallas Cowboys would take them. But um, the – Man, Stafford in his last five games, 14 touchdowns, one interception. He's been really balling. Um, I told a lot of people I didn't put him in my uh, my rooks looks in the in part one, but man, I told a lot of people to start him. They took my advice and they were happy with it, getting 25 points PPR. Um, so shout out to Matthew Stafford. He's really coming to his own. But I think the main catalyst of this offense and where you saw the most difference was in week 10 was when Kyron Williams returned to the offense. He has become an electric back. He's changed the offense, and he's the catalyst um, moving to Los Angeles Rams. But the last thing I'll say about the Saints um, before we move on to some more predictions is that, you know, I've been covering them a lot. You know, we kind of have the inside joke that, you know, the medical guy has been covering a lot of the Lions this season. I've been covering a lot of the Saints. And, man, I have been dead, dead to rights on the Saints about Dennis Allen about the arsenal that they have, you know, offensively and defensively, the, the talent that they have around them. They've had a very easy schedule before the season. A lot of people said that the Saints defense would be a perfect pickup for 
a late round um, draft pick in fantasy football. And they have just disappointed all year long. Um, might not even make the playoffs anymore. And if you look at, go look at their schedule. I dare you guys to go look at the schedule and tell me, is this acceptable for an NFL team with this kind of roster, with this kind of expectations? And it's a lot like when the Cowboys went eight and eight, three years in a row. Is it was it was not expected, and it was a disappointment. And that's why you get rid of a coach, you know, early on because he's not the answer. Um, but let's go into some predictions now. Week sixteen. This is a big week. This is your semifinals for a lot of people. For some people, this is your NFL, uh, your fantasy football championship. Um, so these are some very important games if you're trying to win some money, but also for playoff seating and. Um, and playoff entry as well. Um, but yeah, Rams moved to eight and seven states moved to seven and eight. I had a couple of questions to start out first. You know, we've got Jake Browning over there on the Bengals. We covered him a little bit in the recap. Obviously he's been three and one as the Bengals quarterback since he took the reins over. Well, now he gets to play Pittsburgh with, you know, Kenny Pickett and the struggles that they're having over there. I think this is Kenny Pickett's first game back since he's been injured. And then he follows it up with Kansas city and Cleveland. And I guess my question is, one, obviously I think that the, the, the Bengals can take Pittsburgh this weekend if they do their job, if they get the hand get the ball in the hands of T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon kind of pound the rock a little bit against this Pittsburgh team, keep the offense off the field, even though the Pittsburgh offense isn't a threat. And he can move to nine wins. He can move to nine and six. And do you think that it is enough if Jake Browning wins against Pittsburgh to take them to the playoffs? And obviously he could upset Kansas City or Cleveland, but – Realistically, you're looking at probably nine and eight for the Bengals. And what does that say about this team and the importance of weapons? But, you know, what are your thoughts on like Jake Browning, his performance? And if he wins this game, do you think that the Bengals can make the playoffs? Well, I mean, it's going to be a tough ask just because the AFC, like we pointed out, I think last time I was on here, the, the race is tight in the AFC. I mean, just to recap, you know, you've got you got the whole AFC South sitting at eight, eight and six, basically, except for the Titans. You've got Denver sitting at seven and seven. And even like the Raiders are six and eight. They're still in it if they went out, which probably not. But, you know, like basically the teams that we're looking at here, you got the Bills, the Browns, the Bengals, the Colts, the Jags, and the Texans all sitting one game in between each other. And that's huge. So, yeah. Like you just said, you know, they play – the Bengals play the Steelers starting out, and those have playoff implications just because the Steelers are, are still kind of in the, in the hunt too. But um, I think Jake Browning can win this game. And, you know, I I said last time I picked him as, like, my backup quarterback if I had to have one. He's just balling out. I mean, he's he's played really good for the Bengals. And, uh, but this will be a tough – one thing I will note, this will be a tough test – with Chase being out, and that Steelers defense isn't too shabby. But, you know, in this game, I've got the Bengals 24-10 um, with a strong outing from the Bengals offense. I, I think they win this game. Um, but, yeah, like you pointed out, that the, the, it's that – it's that – what the Bengals do every year is that they, they start off terribly. Everybody yep. counts them out. And then and they win 13 games and end up being 13-4. And now – they're in a position. A yeah. Yeah. Now they're in a position where they've lost Burrow. Now they're in a position where that, that 0-4 start really, really hurts them. So exactly. those next two games will be tough. And it's just kind of be like they, they got to focus on themselves and, and win. So 
for this game, I've got them winning. But, you know, in the next two, I don't know. <laughs> that's that's yeah. going to be a tough ask for Jake Brown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Burrow is is the uh, – I guess the the top quarterback killer, if you if you could say. I mean, he's had the Chiefs number in the past. He's had Josh Allen's number in the past. But you don't have him anymore. So when you're playing Kansas City in a really important game um, with your back quarterback, that's going to be a tough challenge. But the Chiefs have had their struggles um, so far this season, and they've shown that they are absolutely beatable. Uh, but I have the uh, the Bengals in this game as well. I've got them winning in a low-scoring ball game, you know, 21-16 to 16 versus the – the Steelers and I just I've just totally given up on the Steelers offense. I'm so sick of seeing Deontay Johnson give up on plays. I'm so sick of seeing George Pickens be a selfish prick, you know, throughout, you know, giving up on blocks. He doesn't want to get hurt. Um, the locker room is against each other in in the Steelers, both defensively and offensively. They've had their complaints yeah. against each other in the media. Um, it's just a disaster over there. And you know, Ryan Clark has pointed out on um ESPN and and, and the rest of the mainstream media has mentioned it, that Mike Tomlin should just get the hell out of there. And the, the culture for the Steelers has just completely changed. And um, Yeah, I think it's so weird over. to see because the Steelers are always like that one team in the NFL that always, no matter who plays for them, like, you know, the whole joke is like, you know, Antonio Brown being stable and Le'Veon Bell and all that. But, like, it's just very un uncharacteristic to see – the Steelers be like basically a shit show in the middle yeah. of their, their season. So exactly. it's very, it's very odd. Exactly. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on into the Browns versus the Texans game. Um, you know, of course we were going to ask some questions about some, you know, Josh Allen, maybe winning MVP. If he wins out, I think that could be a possibility, but I think the, the main MVP will get into it later with, the Ravens and the 49ers. I think that's the most realistic option with, you know, Lamar and Brock Purdy. Um, but Sunday at noon, you've got the Browns nine and five versus the Texans eight and six. We, the spread is actually Houston minus two and a half. Um, in my predictions, I'll start this one out. I think Stroud's return is, is, you know, and I don't even think he's good enough to play From what I've heard, he can't even, you know, look into lights yet. Um, so I don't think he's going to be able to play this Sunday, which is really big against, you know, Cleveland's top five defense in the NFL. Um, and so I had to kind of flip my my predictions around, but I do think this is going to be a nasty one. It's going to be a close one. Um, the, the Browns weren't healthier. They've got a rhythm with Joe Flacco at quarterback. I've got the Browns winning this game 17 to 16 and a very close one. And this is all that matters when you're Cleveland. You've got that veteran presence in Flacco who's been in this kind of situation before, whether it be with the Ravens, just doing his job, you know, making the throws he's got to make. He's done a very good job of targeting his number one receiver in Amari Cooper. Um, they've done a great job, you know, using utilizing their defense, a lot like they did with the Cowboys when they had Cooper Rush starting and they won those couple of games against teams that were not as good um, offensively or defensively, you, know, you can argue. And it has nothing to say that the quarterback is better than the opposer. It's just that they know how to win in terms of, hey, our defense can carry us to the promised land. Joe Flacco, we just need you to keep, you know, turnovers in check. Um, they got away with one after he threw three picks last week. Um, but, yeah, I've got the Browns in a close one, 17 to 16. Flacco continues to do his job as the veteran and protects football this week. And uh, I think Njoku – the tight end over there has a big game once again. I think they found kind of their recipe for moving the football over there with Njoku and uh, Amari Cooper. Yeah. 
I, uh, yeah, I was going to say that's the note I have. I have some insider trading info for the Texans uh, from an uh, unnamed source. If you listen guess. to our, yeah, if you listen to our podcast before, you would know how I know this, but I doubt Stroud plays in this game from what I've heard. Um, Jared kind of stole my line. Uh, the inside source that I know says that he's still, after a week and a half of getting a concussion, he's still is very sensitive to light. I myself have had a couple of concussions, but I've never had one to that extent. That's pretty bad. Yeah. So um, I have the two notes I have is without Stroud, the Browns win 21 to 10. With Stroud, I still think the Browns win 21 to 17. I think that defense is going to be too much for uh, Stroud, even if he was out there. And with Tank Dell being out, I think that really hurts the Texans. I mean, he's got, you know, Nico Collins in them, but that uh, I mean, that Browns defense has shown that they can carry carry the weight of that of that football team. So I think Flacco is just good enough to get them by, and they'll keep winning. But um, you know, come playoff time, it, you're going to need some type of offense to keep up with a lot of the high powered teams in the AFC. But um, yeah, with Stroud, it's 21-17. Browns without Stroud, I have 21 to 10. Very nice. Yeah, Sunday. It's three three twenty five. This is your afternoon game. I think this is the most important one of the week, which is why um, we we chose this one in the time slot. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Jaguars are eight and six. The Buccaneers are seven and seven. Baker Mayfield coming off that big three hundred eighty one yards passing, four touchdowns versus the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field in December, uh, which is valid, you know. And the spread here is Jacksonville minus one and a half. It was the last time I checked. It could have changed by now. It's very, it's a very even game. Um, one of the fun facts that I found before we re- started recording this was Trevor Lawrence has the most turnovers since 2021 with 55 turnovers. He has the same amount of touchdowns than he does turnovers. 55 touchdowns, 55 Holy turnovers. Smokes. I didn't know that. That's a yeah, it's it's a wow factor. And I was talking to the kid last night. We were kind of visiting, you know, in the in the living room, just talking some ball, talking shop, and you know. We don't want to jump the gun on being, you know, he doesn't want to jump the gun on being wrong about his agenda with Trevor Lawrence. And obviously I want to let him speak for himself, but I mean, this year has just been kind of a let go year and it's been a, it's been a down year for Trevor Lawrence. And we really haven't seen the, the amazing Trevor Lawrence that we've been anticipating. Um, And to say that, you know, it's also, there are things to consider here, like Calvin Ridley, this is his first year back and, you know, over a year, I get it. You're still, you know, some people argue you could be still getting into game shape. They have a, they have a problem that uh, the last two weeks I've been talking about it of targeting him, you know, completing more than 50% of his targets um, that are intended for him, which is aggravating, especially if you're a fantasy owner, he's been one of those, you know, uh, should I start him? But I think he has a good game. Oh, should I got 1.5 PPR points? Oh, this week I put him on the bench and he's got 28 points on the bench. Um, and the most consistent guy, which the last time me and, the analysts won the podcast together. I mentioned this specifically was Christian Kirk was really acting as that high end wide receiver too. very good against man coverage, but he's out. And ever since then, I think Trevor Lawrence has kind of taken a step back, which is why I have the bucks winning this game 21 to 17. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I really think that Baker Mayfield has really found his momentum. I think that Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers win this division. The Atlanta Falcons have kind of given up on the division. The Saints just lost this week against the Rams. The Buccaneers are really feeling some momentum right now. They could 
really finished positive. Probably nine and eight is a good projection for them. Um, but also there's a chance that T-Law might not play this weekend, um, which means I think that's a guaranteed Tampa Bay win. I don't think C.J. Beathard can, can uh, weather the uh, the Tampa Bay defense. But I love what Baker Mayfield is doing in the Bay. Um, I think that's his team now. I think on this one-year prove-it deal, he's with 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions on the year. All the doubts have been, you know, not essentially proven wrong, but you you know exactly the recipe it takes to win with Baker Mayfield. And I think the Browns were kind of wrong to get rid of him, even though there might have been a better option out there. But I don't think he was deserving. I don't think that I don't think he was deserving to get released or moved off of. At the time, he was the only person that got him to the playoffs and, and broke that drought. He was they knew the recipe. Get a solid run game, have a solid defense. And there are guys like this in the NFL that need a lot of weapons to at least when you uh over 500 you know over 0.500 um gets you over 500 is the best way to say it in the NFL. So yeah, I've got the Bucks running this game 21 to 17 especially if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play. That's interesting. Uh I actually have on here that I think Mayfield is a pretty underrated QB, so I think you just made that case pretty well. Um but I think what I was going to say is I think both teams and I already kind of mentioned it earlier. Both teams have dubbed this game a must-win. Um, the Jags got to win to stay on top of the AFC South, and the Bucks have to win to stay on top of the NFC South. Um, luckily for them, the Saints lost. We already talked about that. But if the Bucks lose and Atlanta wins, then all three of those teams are stuck at seven and eight again. So the Bucks see this as an opportunity to take uh, NFC South's first place with the win here and the Jags look to stay on top of the, of the AFC South. So both these teams are going to dub it as a uh, must win for sure. But yeah. um, I actually had, if Trevor Lawrence plays, that is, I actually have, um, I'm taking the better QB, the better coach and the better roster here. I think the Jags kind of slightly have a better roster than the Bucks. So yeah. I have them taking I'm, – I'm taking the Jags over the Bucks, 31-24. So I think it will be a oh, match scoring wow. game. But if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, which I feel like is like the scenario for like the two games we've been talking about, is if a team or a quarterback doesn't play, if Lawrence doesn't play, I have the Bucks winning 24-10. to 10. So I don't yeah. think it will be much of, a, uh, much of a game if Trevor Lawrence is not out on that field. Yeah, and that's the recipe for the Buccaneers. You know, they're not going to be that type of team except out of, out of last week to score 40 points a game. But, you know, their defense is, you know, a top 15, I would say, defense. And, you know, they're the type of guys that will give you fits if you're not careful. Yeah. Um, so, okay, let's move in. So this is Christmas Day, the Christmas Day slate, as you will. You can see it on the bottom banner there, you know, the Christmas, you know, the Santa sleigh, you know, acronym, Sleep. whatever. Um, the little slate. Um, but yeah, so these are kind of our quick picks, but you got the nine and five chiefs versus the six and eight Raiders, Kansas city chiefs. The last time I checked was a minus 10 favorite in this game at the betting odds. Um, and so, uh, the Raiders have had a tough time beating the chiefs for a, a, a while. Um, Patrick Mahomes almost never loses to divisional opponents. The Denver Broncos did it earlier this year and an upset win. However, the Chiefs are kind of starting to find their stride. They understand how, you know, Rashi Rice, their wide receiver one, can contribute to the offense. 
you know, even when Travis Kelsey is slow, Wrights kind of picks up the slack. I believe they're getting Isaiah Pacheco back. They've had great production from Clyde's Edwards Hilaire and Jarek McKinnon in his absence. Um, I don't think I think they're I think they're an angry football team right now. And the Raiders are coming off that blowout victory versus a a very distraught and given up um Chargers team. So I've got the Chiefs in a blowout. I've got them 30 to 14. Um, beating the Raiders. <laughs> it's pretty close to what I had. Yeah, and, I, and my main reason behind it was that Kansas City does not lose divisional games. Um, yeah. yeah. They have dropped a couple this year, but that goes back to the point we've been making. It's just like the major whiteout struggles of the Chiefs. Yes. But uh, I follow exactly what you're saying. I have the Chiefs winning that game 31-10. to 10. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's very close. I don't think Aiden O'Connell – I mean, we, we've, been, we've been mentioning the Kansas City Chiefs defense as well all this year they said they're louder than their offense they've been playing yeah. exceptional most which is very not chiefs like but that's yes that yes. speaks to the weapons that uh the chiefs have on their on their offensive side exactly okay and then moving on to the the game later in the week this is your nfc east divisional game tommy devito who just trademarked a bunch of his you know tommy cutlets or whatever your five and nine giants versus your ten and four philadelphia eagles the spread is even higher in this game it also, again, this might have changed after they lost to Seattle, uh, but this is a um, minus 11 spread favoring Philadelphia Eagles. Um, and so, you know, what is your prediction on this game? Well, this I just checked the spread. The, the spread's minus 10 and a half right now. Oh, there you go. But, you know, I, I have a couple interesting notes on this one. I, I have – this one's kind of tough, believe it or not. Um I am uncertain of a lot of things for the Eagles. I watched the game versus Seattle, and I just wasn't very impressed. I watched them get blown out by the 49ers, and I watched Dallas handle them with ease. Um, just Jalen's regression, which we said he would, has been pretty pretty big to me. Um, the abysmal defense that they have. I mean, they, they have so many names on defense, and they just can't seem to do anything with it. Um, they can't cover anybody to save their lives, and that's just – that's a big issue especially when it comes to the playoffs but um I also have that the Giants are kind of on a come up you know they're kind of riding this DeVito train yeah um you know like what's going on with that (laughs) they they kind of are starting to turn turn the tide a little bit on their season trying to make a final push to to be a little bit better but you know every part of me wants to put the Eagles on a solid upset alert here (laughs) (laughs) it's a divisional game um you know, they've kind of been on the outs, but that might just be the hate I have for the Eagles. Um, so with that, I'm going to take the Eagles over the Giants 24 to 21 in a tight one. I uh, I feel like they're losing their, their stride. I just like, I don't know, I've watched them the last couple of weeks and I, I just like, you know, I've told you I'm not impressed. You know, yeah. they, yeah, especially with Jalen Hurts and I just feel like they, they don't really have an identity, which I've been saying since week one is that on offense, what is their identity? And, you know, that now that they're getting through the season and people are getting film on them, they haven't decided. And I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like this game is going to be close, especially because it's a division game, you know, obviously. But I think the Eagles, the Eagles win. But I, I would not be willing to take that minus 11 yeah. or the minus 10 and a half now spread line for sure. 
So. Yeah, me neither. And in part one, I, I shouted you out and said, like, hey, you've been right about the Eagles all year long, you know, escaping their identity and making hurt somebody that, you know, really that he's not. And I know most of the league wants to accept um, or really imagine Hurts being this absolute gunslinger, but that's just not who he is. And mm-hmm. it's okay to admit that. And he's not a bad quarterback. Um, but I mean, you got to play to your strengths, you got to play to your the scheme that works best you don't scheme around a scheme you scheme around your players and Jalen Hurts is not a gunslinger that should be throwing 40 times a game which is you know again like I mentioned in part one this is why your Philadelphia fans the city of brotherly love are sitting outside of the practice facility saying run the freaking ball and I think Jonathan Gannon and um, Shane Steichen were huge losses for the Philadelphia Eagles but I'm also contradicting myself here in a way and i think the eagles blow out the the giants 38 to 20 and it's not the way that you think i think that jalen hurts actually has a massive game through the air and it's not to say that it's like a a game where jalen hurts proves that he can throw it it's just one of those games where they're gonna not really change anything they've done in the past and they're just going to be able to find ways to connect to A.J. Brown. Um, and you're going to see two, three touchdowns from Jalen Hurts in this game, in my opinion. Um, and people will say, okay, you know, back on track or whatever. But they won't say, oh, yeah, it's a it's a shitty divisional opponent. And you should do that against them. Yeah. I, don't, I, I doubt they'll say that. They'll just say, okay, Jalen Hurts has figured it out. But if it was Dak Prescott, you know, your little shadow of the script mini, mini segment here, They'd be they'd be yanking at the chain saying, "Oh, uh, they're bashing good. bad teams." Yeah, they're bashing bad teams. He should have four touchdowns against the Giants. You know yeah. who doesn't? Oh, I don't know the the Packers. Um, <laughs> you can name a couple of teams in there that struggled against the Giants. But yeah, you're right. They're kind of catching some steam here. Tommy DeVito has performed better than Daniel Jones ever did this season. Um, yeah. Those those comments about the offensive line not being a protect, be able to protect the quarterback have gone out the window for some reason. Um, and DeVito has kind of come into his own as somebody where you really start to think Daniel Jones shouldn't have been paid that much. And that's an agenda I was right about. And I just think it was hilarious to go into the season and think that the Giants were that kind of team. And I'd been, yeah. again, I off the record, I was talking about this with the kid. And I'll just make this short and sweet. The Giants last year finishing nine and seven and one or whatever it was, and Dabal getting coach of the year, beating that team in the playoffs in the Vikings. If you remember, the, the NFC East played the AFC South, which was a terrible division last year outside of, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who barely made the playoffs off of an interception from Noah Brown off the chest and a pick six by the Jacksonville defense late in the year. Other than that, they're going 7-10. and 10. And the rest of the division sucks as well. It was a fraudulent year, and it was a really bad year to decide whether you want to pay a guy like Daniel Jones. And then on top of that, they said, oh, they want a road playoff game. Well, who did they play in that road playoff game? It was who everybody said was a fraudulent team, the Minnesota Vikings. And yeah, I said, I don't think anybody's arguing with you about how the, the Giants are fraudulent. But, but the mainstream media, which we talked about very early in the year, the mainstream media – pushed this agenda hard to say that the New York Giants were going to win. There were some people that said they're going to win the division. There were some people that said – a lot of people that said that Daniel Jones was a better quarterback than Dak Prescott, and we get into the season, and here we are. 
And yeah, I, I just that think is also it, fair. it just baffles me. I don't, and I don't think it's Brian Devil either. But yeah, you know, that's my short and sweet kind of version of the New York Giants. But I said at the beginning of the podcast or beginning of the season, the Giants would finish seven and ten, and that the Washington Redskins would finish five and twelve because yeah. the schedule is a lot harder and they're going to shoot the bed. Okay, here we go. This is your Monday night game. This is the biggest game of the year in terms of determining maybe who's the MVP favorite. Obviously, since Dak Prescott had one bad game out of the last eight versus the Bills in a game where he only had, you know, 20 minutes of possession time compared to the Giant or the Bills 45 minutes. <laughs> um, but you got the 11 and three Baltimore Ravens versus the 11 and three San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers are favored in this game minus five and a half. And a lot of people are arguing that this, whoever wins this game, wins the MVP. Um, I, would, I would agree with that. I would agree. And I would agree. And I want to say a couple of things about Lamar Jackson. Such as, man, this again, again, and again, I think he's really proven me wrong. I always said that he, he is not the best thrower of the football in terms of accuracy, in terms of um, really changing the game through his arm. But at the same time, he has done a fantastic job once again this year with minimal weapons, a lot of injuries, um, being 11-3 first in the AFC. And I think they have a chance to win this game even without the uh, – without the running backs that they have. I know Keaton Mitchell just had that injury. They're going to ride with Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and Melvin Gordon. No Mark Andrews. Going in there with Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, and um, Odo Beckham. Here's my hot take, and I understand I had some blowouts the first two games, but I think Lamar uses his legs to defeat the San Francisco defense with after the loss of Mitchell. I think Brock Purdy struggles through the air. I think he throws an interception or two. However, I think Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey continue to roll in this one. The Ravens win this game 24 to 20. Wow. Uh, bold. It's a bold statement, and I'm and I'm willing to die and on that hill and hoist that cross up the hill for everybody <laughs> who might say the 49ers are unbeatable. I think this is a game where Lamar Jackson wins MVP, gets his second one. And it's not an outcome that I would like for, I guess, my agenda, but the Eagles losing to the Seattle Seahawks. I think something's in the air where the, the Dallas Cowboys could come out with this division and maybe a number one seed, which is crazy to think about. Very that is crazy to think very, about after the game we just watched. Very unlikely, but that's exactly why is because the Cowboys just disappeared. They didn't come out the tunnel against the Buffalo Bills, and people think it's over until the 49ers and Eagles lose their, their last outings. So, um, yeah, hot take, 24-20 to 20 Ravens. Well, this is a game, you know, I'm interested. I don't know. I'll start with the Niners. I'm interested to see how they fare against arguably one of the best defenses in the league. You know, like I think the Browns have one of the best defenses, but the Ravens overall have just a very solid defense. And they've shown that time and time again in beating some top teams like the Lions earlier this year. They made the Lions look like a high school football team. But um, yeah. Jared made a good point earlier. Uh, whoever wins this game, this is the other note I had. Whoever wins this game is going to win MVP just based off of how they've been playing the season. And, you know, this is a big game to kind of decide that factor. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think one of the big stats I had here for switching to the Ravens is like Lamar, Jerry made a good point. Lamar has really developed himself as a better passer. I don't yeah. think he's got one of the best arms in the league, but he's got a formidable arm that makes plays when he needs to make plays. Like he's not going to beat you down the field, but he's going to find ways to get it to like, you know, when Mark Andrews is out there, or Zay Flowers in the flat, you know, that'd be, um, 
once in, in a while, OBJ post route that they hit or, but now, you know, he's got Isaiah, Isaiah likely out there and he's been a very good weapon for Lamar Jackson. So that's yeah. been very good for him. But um, the other stat I had is Lamar has really great success over NFC teams. And I think the narrative around that is that a lot of NFC teams don't see a quarterback like Lamar very often, exactly. you know, like yeah, in the NFC and the NFC, you've got Jalen hurts. You've got, um, you know, name somebody. There's not anybody else. I, I like really that don't in the think NFC. there is. Yeah. So, you know, when people see him, they have to go look at a bunch of game film and figure out, hey, how can we, you know, contain a quarterback that's just as fast as our best running back? So, you know, I think he's only lost one game to NFC teams. At least that was the the count before the year. I don't I don't think he's lost to an NFC team this year that I can recall. But anyway, got a really good record against NFC teams. So with all that being said, I think Jared did a good job of uh, basically summing up what I think the Niners are going to do. They're going to try and get the ball to McCaffrey early, um, see if they can break some type of running game with McCaffrey, and then try and hit Debo sometimes in flat. But I do think Brock Purdy is going to struggle struggle a little bit. Um, this isn't the Eagles, and this isn't the Cowboys defense that just disappears um, for some unforsaken reason. But um, the Ravens' defense, I feel like, is going to show up, and they're going to really make it hard for Brock Purdy. And I've always said, um, when it comes to Purdy, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's great. I don't think he's got something in there that's like strategically different or you know like special about him. Yeah. But he's a great system guy, and that's why Garoppolo worked well for the 49ers too. He's just really good at executing what's asked of him. But the way to get Purdy off his rocker is to um, to rattle him. I mean, if you get to him on defense, he's like a like, you know the whole thing. Everybody says now is he's a footwork king. You know, he looks really good when he's in the pocket and his footwork's nasty, which you know I can credit him for that. But if you get to him like the Browns did and a couple other teams, they make him look kind of stupid. And you know, I think that's the way to beat Brock Purdy. And I think the Ravens have a great opportunity to do that. So. I'm kind of with Jared on this. I think the Ravens end up beating the Niners here, not because I have a Cowboys hope, but I think that just it's something different that the Niners haven't seen. And I think the Ravens pulled this one out. And I'm going to say 20 – and I had a scroll on here, but I don't really think that anymore. Uh, I'm going to say 24-21 Ravens. Okay. Yeah, so, and in the past, you know, the, the 49ers struggle with dual-threat quarterbacks, and you make a great point. There really isn't. I mean, Hurts is a dual-threat kind of guy, but he's not a Lamar Jackson who can juke you out of your shoes and explode yeah. for 30, 40 yards. But I wanted to highlight the Ravens' defense here, and this is kind of the main point why I believe that they'll put a stop to the offense in some sort of way. So – Week one, they played Houston. I understand we didn't know who Houston was exactly, and that's that's a decent offense. They allowed nine points. Cleveland, week four, they allowed three points. And then moving on to Detroit in week seven, they blew them out, allowed six points. Then to go to the week nine in Seattle, they allowed three points. And then you move down to Jacksonville in week 15, another winning team, they allowed seven points. Yeah, that's, so they're that's good great. against teams that are going to eventually be in the playoffs. I mean, yes. you name the Lions are, you know, what, 10 and 3 now? 10 and 4? They're 9 and 5. 
Nine and five. Yeah. So, I mean, they're in the playoffs most likely. And then the Jags too. I mean, we, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but they're, they're great defense. That's what I was saying earlier is there's arguably one of the best defenses or the best defense in the league, maybe second behind the Browns, but you know, defense travels. And that's, yeah. that's the Ravens headline right there is that they, they're just really solid defense. What's crazy too is nobody has talked about them all year. But yeah. we've, we've talked about the 49ers defense and how they have the best linebacker crew in the NFL. Well, number two is the Ravens with Patrick Queen and uh, Roquan Smith. Yeah. That's number two. And Brock Purdy hadn't seen much, much of that, much of yeah. outstanding linebacker play all year. And the one time that he did, which you just mentioned, Cleveland, what happened? They lost. Yeah. They played a crappy game. Um, so – that's kind of why, and it's not to say that the 49ers are worse or better. I just think that they catch them by surprise this game. That, that sounds like you do too. Um, yeah. All right. Track ranking. All right. We got our top three stocking stuffers um, in our track ranking this week. I think this is a great track ranking, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a good one too. Um, all right. I'll let you go with your gold and then i will follow up with my gold as well top three docking stuffers i've always got an honorable mention in here i know i would say that every time but i always feel like it's a nice little poke at something but for my honorable mention i have soap you know our parents always (laughs) put that in there (laughs) our parents always put in like some uh when i was growing up they always put in some type of body wash or something it might not be what you always use you know like i feel like i'm the type of person where I use the same type of body wash because it's I like it. I might change the scent, but I stick with my go-to. But it's nice, like about come June or July or even like you know sometime later in the year where you run out of soap and you're like shit, like what am I gonna wash myself with? And you open up your cabinet and you forget you have the soap that your parents gave you, you know, months ago at Christmas, and you're like, oh, there you go. And it's like a nice little substitute, little change up, and something that comes in and and uh, saves you so you can still smell clean. So that's my honorable mention. But my gold, my gold is uh, some gadget you didn't think you needed and your mom saw during Black Friday. (laughs) So every year I get some, whether it be like a multi-tool for your car, a cool can opener you'll probably use once, or some cheap flashlight that you'll just like stash somewhere in your house that like, like for me, I have the one that my parents gave me last year just sitting on top of my fridge that when I take out our dog, I just kind of shine it in the yard and then put it back up there. So for me, my gold ranking is just some type of gadget you get, you know, whether it be a multi-tool or a can opener or like a seatbelt cutter or something that your parents just like were walking through coals or something like that on Black Friday. And, you know, you're walking out of the on the checkout and they're looking around and you know, they got all that stuff up there and they're like, Oh yeah, a multi-tool. That'd be good. That would be good. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> so exactly that's my right. goal. <laughs> all right. Yeah. My gold, my gold ranking is DVDs. We used oh, to get that's a good one. Yeah. That's whenever, a solid one. Whenever we were younger, um, we would get, uh, we would each get a different movie and it was always a damn good one. And you were like, yeah, it's a damn, solid I, got the, one. I got the Avengers. Like, hell yeah. Let me get the event. Oh, and it's a Blu-ray. Like, let's get it. And 
Oh, uh, I mean, of course, when we got older, we kind of stopped that tradition a little bit. But I think if you're having children, if you are, you know, if you have kids that are that age or whatever, I know most of our audience doesn't have kids or whatever. But, uh, you know, hey, get, get, do it. Do a movie for a DV or for a stocky stuffer. And um, I, I remember my favorite one was King Arthur. I got the movie King Arthur with Charlie Hunnam starring in it. And I was like, this is actually a banger yeah. of a movie. That That's kind of like you just unlocked a childhood memory. I mean, nobody's going to go buy a DVD anymore to your point because, I mean, they're just so outdated. But I totally forgot about that, man. Christmas. Cheer, yeah. Right there. Yeah, exactly. So, that's a good one. All right. Yeah. Am I going my platinum um, now? Yep. All right, my platinum is a brand new charger. I feel like every year I get some type of charger for my phone, and that kind of comes my like go-to. Last year I got a, a nice one that was, you know, the wireless charging, 20 amp on it. So my wireless charging was a kickstarted, and that's always nice. So I feel like you always need a charger. You can never have enough of them. Um, yeah. The charger that I'm actually talking about is sitting right in front of me right now. It's my best charger now. But yeah, I feel like a good charger or some type of uh, electrical accessory is a good pla is a good platinum yeah. ranking. A, a nice little car charger. Uh, yes. Yeah, your one the one you have in your truck already is just like vaporized, and you're it, it charges one <laughs> percent every three away. hours. It basically just maintains your battery; it doesn't actually charge it. Yeah. And you get that new hitter, and you're and you're ready to go for corporate America. Um, all right, my platinum ranking for this track ranking is a fresh pair of socks and underwear. No, uh, crap. I, yeah, I feel like that one's good. I mean, that might have been your <laughs> that might have been your diamond, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel like you open them up and you're like, hey, some dry fit Hanes. You like, I, I can go to Target or whatever, and I can't find this shit anywhere, and I just get these nice <laughs> pair of underwear, and you're like, a fresh pair of Adidas New Balance or Reebok socks. Let's go. Like, I didn't have to go get this myself and, and spend another 20 bucks on a pair of socks. Like, and it's a hit. And because you're like, I'm gonna wear them this morning. I'm gonna take off the shitty socks that I have right now and 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 this pair of underwear that I've had for four years, and I'm gonna switch them <laughs> up. So yeah, I mean it's a fresh pair of socks and underwear for my platinum. Is that your well, diamond? You, you took my diamond and the reason I say socks and underwear is because as a man, as a guy, you don't ever really think about going out and getting new socks and underwear. You know, I, I, I've had, you know, pairs of socks that I've had for a long while. So I actually, since I've moved out of my parents' house and you now I'm married and all now, one of the Christmas gifts that I asked from my mom was socks and underwear <laughs> because my mom always got it for me. And that's, that's the point that mom made to, to me was she's like, well, I was like, I never even think about them. Mom, mom's like, yeah, it's because I get it for you every year. So it's like a fresh reload every single year. So I think that just goes, that's like the theme of my list is, and that's why I put diamond socks and underwear. It's like your mom and dad get you these small stuff that you just don't ever think about, or you think that like, you're not going to go put money on. So you're never going to go probably buy a new charger. You're never going to think about a new cheap flashlight when you get pulled, like or you get, that flat tire on the side of the road, you got that cheap flashlight sitting in your car. So for me, it's the socks and underwear because it's just something that like you just don't go out and really think about buying, but your mom yeah. gets you every year and it's always clutch. So that was my diamond. Yeah, yeah. My diamond is Apple accessories. And 
and it's a lot like your platinum. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like those the chargers, the headphone cases, the you know whatever you, the phone cases, whatever you want to call it, anything for your phone or Apple Watch or your Apple uh, or your AirPods, any type of accessory that belongs to, it, even if it's like a, a stand next to your bed where you can put your stuff, um, like a, a platform charger where you can kind of you just set your phone on top of it and it starts charging it. Um, those high powered, high amp um, velocity chargers that you plug into the wall and it charges your phone in freaking five minutes, you know, yeah. any type of accessory like that. Um, so yeah, basically your platinum and our diamonds were just kind of flip-flopped. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. All right, man, that is your track breaking your top three stocking stuffers um for this week and i've actually got our kids picks real quick um which we'll present and so this is for week 16 and this is presented to you by the kid so to start off the first the first prop of the three leg parlay is you've got cd lamb and it's over rush plus reception touchdowns 0.5 versus the miami dolphins then you've got Jordan Love over one and a half pass touchdowns versus the Carolina Panthers. Joe Mixon over 18 and a half reception yards versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then Steelers. if you want some bonus content, and I like yeah, like I said, I'm you know feed Joe Mixon this week versus Pittsburgh. Um, if you want some bonus coverage, we've also got Dalton Kincaid over. 30 and a half receiving yards. I think this is a really good one against a Chargers team that is really given up and you can see some good production from the Bills offense. Um, definitely not allowing 63 points this week if, you know, the, if you're the Chargers defense, but uh, you can, Dalton Kincaid can get that on two catches with Josh Allen. And then another Dalton, Dalton Schultz over 31 and a half receiving yards. He had 58 or so the last week versus his previous opponent. He's playing Cleveland this week without CJ Strouds. So just be wary of that. And then the last one, this is a this is your demon time pick. And this is a new feature on price picks where you have to go over, but you get more rewards if you take it. And it's 0.5 rush plus reception touchdowns versus the Raiders. So if you want a demon time pick, go with Travis Kelsey. And of course, if you get all the picks those correct, it's 26 times your buy-in um, amount or your deposit. It's pretty amount. solid lineup. Pretty solid lineup there. And shout out to the kid for giving us those kids picks and now moving into the christmas eve special 10 and 4 dallas cowboys at your 10 and 4 miami dolphins at hard rock stadium 325 p.m on fox and you may have the spread on this one um i did not get this provide the spread uh normally we don't normally sometimes we do but it could be relevant absolutely but we got our keys to success our official predictions followed by mama's don't let your cowboys focusing on all the things that you don't want the Cowboys to do for this game and avoid. But uh, what are your keys to success for this game, starting you know, starting with the offense, and then we'll flip it and do the defense? Yeah, sorry, I was looking at the spread. Uh, it's minus one and a half Miami right now. Interesting. Wow. So did you say you want me to start with the offense? Yeah, uh, just keys, keys to success in general, offense, defense, however you got it split up. Okay, so I've got offense first. And this is exactly what I was uh, talking to you about yesterday, uh, sticking to the script and finding a rhythm. So if you watched any part of that Bills game, and I know you already recapped it on the last episode, 
um, they had no rhythm. There was no, there was no script. You know, I've been saying for a long time that an offense and almost any offensive coordinator, um, they have openers. And what that is, is they have a first couple play scripts, maybe 10 to 20 plays of what they think they're going to come out and run versus what they think they're going to get from the opposing team. And I feel like what I've been saying is, is that's really hard to do when your defense, uh, sorry, I think I've been messing with just broke. Um, it's really hard to do when your defense is just getting mauled through and you, by the time you have the ball back, it's 14 to nothing, and it's the second quarter. So yeah. my yeah. my thing for the offense is stick to the script, don't freak out, and find a rhythm. Pass blocking needs to be pure. They need to have a better pass blocking, especially last week. Uh, it was horrible. It was not good. Dak had no time to throw the ball. They couldn't yeah. get anything going. I mean, it just looked like a completely different football team. Um and the last thing I want to hear is play with confidence. And that goes just with exactly what I was saying is you are a good football team. You are a good offense. Show it. So, I mean, last week they just looked like they went into a shell, uh, abandoned the, the script and just started saying, we got to throw the ball and get back into this game. And it just did not go very well. So I want, I want to see that out of uh, the Cowboys offense this week is just get into something that's a rhythm, find Dak in a groove. That's when he's at his best is when he gets like two or three, or four throws in, he gets two or three, four straight completions. It's almost like when you're playing Madden, he hits his X factor. And he just kind of is like, all right, I'm going to groove. We're rolling the ball. Um, let's get this thing going. So that's kind of what I'm looking for from the offense. And I think that if they do that, they have a much better chance of winning than, you know, they did last week against the Bills. Yeah, yeah, good points there. And then uh, my key to success for the offense is I'm going to sound like a lot like Jason Garrett here. But I saw some really good things from Tony Pollard last week, and, it, and it's been increasing um, over the past couple of weeks. And he's he, there was a report that came out that said that he was feeling better and better, that you never really know how healthy you are until you get into the season, that it took him a couple of weeks to get back in the game shape. But I think a good idea here is to establish the run and control time of possession when necessary. And was, yep. Yeah, and my main point of emphasis on that is to prevent – Miami's offense from being on the field a lot and, you know, tiring out our defense and whatnot. And I think that's a good part of game strategy. It's something that we talked about early on in the season with this West coast offense is we game manage when we need to scheme wise and take those pop plays when they're presented to us, but we're not out here trying to light up the scoreboard and score as quickly as possible. And to just put the Miami Dolphins right back on the field to this so that they can score the same amount of points that we did. Not yeah, that sounds very Kellen Moore-esque. Exactly. We're not that team anymore. Exactly. We're not that team anymore. We're running this Texas Coast offense, you know, and we didn't get be able to get to that rhythm um, last week versus the Bills, but you saw it in perfect form versus the Eagles at home. I was um, just about to say that. It could, what, the, what you just said about we're not trying to go do that goes hand-in-hand hand with what I'm saying. Is it's yeah. the rhythm. Finding the execution and going down the field. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's going to be a big, big contributor to winning this game versus the Miami Dolphins. And then my second one is kind of to go hand in hand with like taking those taking those shots and those opportunities when provided to you, when you get that look on defense, which Dak Prescott can find, um, is light up the secondary. 
And the way to do that is by incorporating Jake Ferguson and Brandon Cooks. And again, I've been talking about it. I've been preaching about it all year. When you get Jake Ferguson involved, it brings down those safeties. It makes them pay attention. It brings the linebackers underneath. You can use them as decoy. And that opens up the middle of the field, the intermediate throws, and the deep throws towards the boundary. And, and that is where C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cook start to th- really, really thrive and why, where you can get like gash throw to Michael Gallup as well. You know, unfortunately, Kyle Phillips for the Miami Dolphins, you know, had that injury with his Achilles. Um, Christian Wilkins is going to do a probably pretty decent job patching things up in the middle of the defense there. But I don't anticipate too much pressure on Dak Prescott, which I think is going to completely change his game offensively when he is protected, when any quarterback is protected in that matter. Uh Dak Prescott is going to play at an MVP level this year. And I expect to see some really good things, a really high completion percentage taking what the defense has given you. Yes, you're playing against Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, and Byron Jones over there. Those those cats out there are going to be good in coverage. But if you can attack the middle of the field, you can take a lot of pressure off of the receivers beating man-to-man coverage and that pressure um, and make him play zone and just kind of – and that's when Dak starts to starts to cook. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I think the other key to success too is uh, involving Jake Ferguson because of those cornerbacks. They're exactly. going to have to get yeah, him like involved early. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Your keys to success for the defense. <laughs> this one's simple. Tackle somebody. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, last week was probably the worst NFL showcase of tackling I've ever seen. I mean, it, it was completely embarrassing. I have a bone to pick with our defense, man. Uh, I mean, Mozzie Smith, the, the next thing is losing Hankins was horrible for our run defense. Mozzie Smith has been uh, what I was a little bit afraid of after I watched a couple preseason games. He's been kind of a disappointment. I mean, he's, he's yeah. not – he does not look good. So he needs to fill the role of Hankins fast or, you know, teams are probably going to run all over us. And then that goes – next step is the safeties. Safety's got to step up big time. They've been a huge mishap for the for the Cowboys, and that was something that we actually thought was going to be a big thing for Dallas with Malik Cooper, Donovan Wilson, Curse. Um, those guys, you, you would have thought, you know, you would have saw something a little bit better out of them, and they just have not yes. looked very good. So I think, you know, the last thing I'll say is, you know, play physical. Um, Speed kills, but sometimes punching speed in the mouth can slow everything down pretty fast. You know, speed's fast, obviously, but you hit them a couple of times and all of a sudden things change. And um, that's that's what Dallas needs to do is need to play aggressive, and that goes right along with the tackling. You know, we're going to need to see something out of, out of our linebackers um, and, and get kind of get after the Miami Dolphins' offense. I think, you know, their offense, I've, I've called them candy ass earlier this year and but what I'll say is is that I think that if you get after them and you kind of rattle Tua and you're kind of hitting them in the mouth it um it changes their whole look of of offense so I think when they get comfortable and they think that you get scared of the speed that's when they start taking care of of their you know opponents and I think that's Dallas's best case on defense is to to really get after them what scares me though is we're a very man-based team, so it's yeah. either it's literally going to be do or die. If we don't get after them, then we are going to get burnt and burnt fast, and that's that's what scares me the most. So that's my keys for defense. Yeah, yeah, and mine are mine are pretty similar. 
Um, yeah, like stop the run in dear in interior defensive line plus the edge, and it goes hand in hand with what you say, but tackle somebody. Um, I think preventing the big threat deep with two high safeties is the best way to combat um Tyreek Hill and that that deep threat that you got to prevent with him. He's the number one wide receiver this year. He's arguably an MVP candidate and he's going to take the top off the defense. He took a rest game last week. He's going to be back this week and he's going to be fresh. He's going to be fresh legged. Um, but then, you know, of course, Jalen Waddle in the middle kind of gashed people on slants, crossers and, and whatnot. If you can generate pressure um, and quick pressure to, to a tug of Aloha, you'll see Tua turn the ball over. And that is something that if we get to, it could turn into an ugly one for Miami, which is a hot take of mine. But with Micah Parsons, you know, usually when he takes those, when when the defense takes a game like they had against the Bills, usually the following week they respond with this absolute monsoon monsoon of like pressure and and talking federal pressure. You know, Osa and uh, Oso Dugazua, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, those kind of guys are going to – I think they're going to get after the quarterback pretty well. I think we're going to be sure tackled um, with Marquise Bell and Wanye Thomas is going to probably get a little more playing time this week. And those things are important. You can get – if you can get to two a quick, which their offense is get the ball out quick and not hang on to the ball too long – and let Tyreek do the wet, do the rest because it doesn't take very long for Tyreek Tyree Hill to get 15-plus yards down the field and throw a football. Um, I think you can see really good things come out if we start generating some really quick pressure. Of course, that's not the easiest thing in the world, but Connor Williams, um, the guard for the Dolphins, is out. The rest of the offensive line is not top 10, I would argue. I mean, I could be completely wrong on that, but you know, it's something that you can easily – generate pressure on if Michael Parsons and them can generate pressure against Lane Johnson, the Philadelphia Eagles line, you can generate pressure against Miami. Yep. I agree. Uh, okay. So predictions, then we'll follow it up with our mamas. Don't let your Cowboys. My prediction for this game is that the Cowboys win this one 33 to 26. I think mm. it's, I think this is going to be a high scoring affair. I think with the implementations or uh, implications of the Philadelphia Eagles losing to the Seattle Seahawks, and the possibility that the 49ers might lose to the Ravens, providing an access to the number one seed for the Cowboys somehow, some way, just giving them that chance at it. I think they come in with a very big purpose. And, you know, Miami's pretty far ahead in their division with 10 and 4. Um, the rest of their schedule isn't too terrifying. They could come out and just, they want to conserve Tyreek Hill, they want to conserve the health of their players. Waddle's been kind of banged up throughout the year. And they might come out less energized. Um, and also, I mean, people always keep arguing that this is the fraud bowl, that, you know, that the Miami Dolphins haven't ever beaten a good team, but the Cowboys have only beaten good teams at home. And that this is a test that can the Cowboys beat a playoff team all away? And can the Miami Dolphins beat anybody that's good um, anywhere? So they, a lot of people are arguing that this is a fraud bowl. I personally do not believe that the Dallas Cowboys are frauds. Um, one bit. I think two games don't define a season, and you know we'll see. We'll see if they can put their money where their mouth is. But I've got the Cowboys thirty-three, the Dolphins twenty-six. That's interesting. Um, I have a note. I said I am uncertain of what the Bills game really showed here. Were we sick? Did the cold affect us? Did we just lose our cool because our defense couldn't stop a cold? I don't know. But maybe it was a fluke game. 
But I am here to say this. I will feel a lot better if Dallas comes out and beats Miami away. And yes. it's imperative for a playoff run, just for any team in general, to get the monkey off their back that they can beat good teams away. And we need to do it in an aggressive manner, like what I've been saying. So um, I have that I need the defense to prove me wrong and actually go out there with the saying that defense travels. That's what I said earlier. I need the defense to come up and say that. I think the de- I think that game, the Bills game, put a really nasty taste in Dallas's mouth, and um, I think they they got punched and they are pissed off about it. And I hope they are. And I think both teams have a lot to prove in this game. But I just look at the rosters and. You know, I know they have Tyreek Hill. I, I just like Dallas in this matchup. Um, yeah. I did, I, like I said before, I did not like us in the Bills matchup, um, and it turned out to be right. But um, I like I like Dallas in this matchup. I just do. Um, like if I take my bias away from it, I, I just look at our teams, and I think Dallas just has a better executing team all around than the Miami does. So I've got Dallas winning this game, and I agree with Jared. It's going to be a shootout for sure. Yeah. And I have Dallas winning 38-35. Yeah, and there's a and there's a clip out there as well talking about – so Vic Vangio is the defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. And if you remember years past, the Denver Broncos absolutely scorched the Cowboys at home 30-0 um, to zero before we started scoring some garbage points. And Dak Prescott had some – villainy things to say about Vic Vangio and basically saying that shit ain't going to, that shit ain't going to fly this year. And we'll see if he backs up his word. Um, and I, you know, of course I've been talking about he, him being in villain mode all year, but I'm hoping he could back up those claims and, and start getting after it in an away game versus a 10 and four team like Miami. Um, but of course if we beat them. It's that the Miami Dolphins are frauds. And of course we should have beat them um, like we were talking earlier, but all right. Mamas, don't let your Cowboys. And this is all the things that we don't want the Cowboys to do <laughs> in the upcoming game. Um, what is your what is your mamas don't let your Cowboys? Mamas don't let your Cowboys lose the ability to tackle and stop the run game. I already said everything I needed to say about that earlier. You're gonna have to yeah. play physical. You're gonna have to punch them in the mouth to have any chance in this game. And you can't just sit there and you know, call yourselves a good defense and then go out and get punched twice in two consecutive weeks again. Exactly. So that's that. I think that is the key to this game. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, mine is Mamas to let your Cowboys fold on the road again. And I kind of yeah. put the on the road again in there as a like the Willie Nelson on the road again song. Um, but man, I'm sick and tired of this road game narrative. I'm sick and tired of going to an away game and just not even coming out of the tunnel. And I don't know if it's a reflection of coaching. I don't know if it's a reflection on the like just the personnel. I don't know if it's that we're not about that life. Whatever it may be, scrap it. You know, shovel it, throw it in the throw it in the shitter, flush the toilet, and let's let's beat the shit out of Miami. Like I'm just I'm tired of expecting crap on the road and getting it. And yeah. I'm hoping they flip that narrative, shadow the script this week against Miami, and give us a little Christmas Eve happiness. Yeah, before we all go into Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been your um, the Rook and the Kid Christmas special, your two part edition series, um, and and this is something that we've been proud of, and 
this is going to be our last episode until 2024. Um, of course, we have not put too much money into this whole thing. And, you know, you kind of have to buy what you want to get and all that kind of stuff, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But we are very thankful for those who have um, been supporting this podcast since day one. Um, we have been very appreciative of the um, engagement that we've gotten, the shout outs, the likes, the downloads. I mean, you name it. We've, the, and the, the feedback. The feedback, especially early on and midway through it, um, sticking through us with, you know, Apple wired uh, earbuds and shitty cameras. And <laughs> now we're moving into some high tech equipment, some in-person um, appearances. And so we're really excited for what we have in store for 2024, which we're going to announce, you know, closer to the end of the NFL season, some fantastic and fun ideas to incorporate more of your voices, um, more of the voices of guests and really elevate each contributor's role in this process but it has been a fantastic 2023 we can't wait to see you guys in 2024 get more engagement see new followers new faces and shatter the script together as the rook and the kid podcast um so we want to thank the analyst the medical guy the kid and of course pat myself in the back whatever um but it's been a journey so merry christmas to everybody hope everybody has a happy holiday a merry christmas Spend time with your family. Um, praise Jesus. Jesus is king. And we will see y'all in 2024. Merry, Merry Christmas. God everyone. bless us. Yeah, God bless go. us, everyone. Yeah. All right. Merry Christmas. Jesus is king. And go Cowboys.